As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, James, big times in in Leafland. We were expecting to do a podcast after the trade deadline on Monday, but there's too much going on. We decided to do an emergency If you can beat the deadline, Jonas, you do it. Right? I've heard that. I've heard that somewhere, eh? I can't can't do the accent, but yeah, that's... uh and that's what happened. They beat the deadline. They Sunday afternoon. Big news. You want to? Why don't you lay out all everything that happened today? Okay. So first, Peter Morazic was placed on waivers. That was the biggest shock of the day. I think. Uh, by far. I hinted that that was an option for uh, them if they needed the cap space. You did for sure. I give you full credit, but that is still a massive move. Um, I mean, if, if I told you when they signed Peter Morazic last summer that he would be placed on waivers on March 20th, yeah. you would have said... But if you would have told me last week, I would have been like, yeah, you, that makes sense. I mean, they need they need the room. Like You yeah, brought it up. I'm looking at their sure. cap situation. It's like, they need that room. They need the they need the million bucks. And Okay, we'll get to that. Wait, let me, let me keep recapping yeah. the rest of the stuff. Then, uh, officially anyway... Travis Dermott was dealt to Vancouver for a third round pick via Winnipeg. And then obviously the biggest trade of the day uh, sends Mark Giordano, Colin Blackwell to the Leafs for second round picks in 2022 and 2023, a third round pick in 2024, and half of Giordano's $6.75 million cap hit is retained. There you go. Now take it away. Oh, it's up to me now? Um so yeah, you can take it in whatever direction okay, you want. I, I got up today and I had messages from other teams and they were like, I think the Leafs are up to something big, which is why I tweeted what I did after Mirazik was waived. Uh, another team said, 
it seems like the Leafs are trying to do something big. There's a lot moving around. They're, they've been talking to Vancouver for all, quite a while. Um, but, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing what a big trade with Vancouver would have looked like, like what it would have been. I mean, JT Miller was the talk a few weeks ago, but their asking price was was Rasmus Sandin, and that wasn't going to happen. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if it comes out. If, if maybe it'll leak out of the Vancouver side, I doubt Toronto will talk about it, but I think there was a lot of discussions with Vancouver over, over weeks that never came to fruition. Uh, obviously Travis Dermott goes there. So, but they didn't, it didn't end up, there was a lot of talk about Tyler Mott potentially coming to the Leafs. There was a lot of talk about Luke Shen potentially coming to the Leafs. A little bit of talk about JT Miller. I wonder if they looked at Garland. I wonder if there were any other, I wonder if Halak was potentially contemplated. Um, so there was there was there was something going on there. I think as I I heard this morning, they, it sounded like I wonder, Jonas, if if the Giordano thing was kind of like it was always like a second option for them. Like they liked that trade, but if they could pull off some other things, that maybe those superseded it. And does does that pass the smell test for you? It does um, because as much as I think he's a fit, and we'll get into that, um, he still. I mean he. Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a fit for this year. Uh, so, like, if you could do something that solves the need beyond this year, obviously that's preferable. If you could do something for someone, yeah, maybe younger, so, a little better. Like, can can I ahead. jump in again? And then sure. the other thing I heard, other than that, is that there was talks with Winnipeg, which haven't I haven't been out there, but it sounds like the Leafs were looking at. I think they were looking at Cop. I don't know about DeMello, but it sounds like Winnipeg and Vancouver were two of the teams they were talking to. So I wonder if they had this Giordano thing in their back pocket the last couple of days and they were poking around at what else they could potentially do with the cap space that they had. Uh, uh, they, they basically had like a little over $3 million to work with. So you retain half on Giordano, gets him down to 3.3. You add Blackwell, that's about $4 million. That they're going to try and cram in on in the three million in space, you know we can we can get into the nitty gritty of that a little bit more. But basically, looking at what they did, I think they're I think they're done. But we're recording this at six o'clock on the on Sunday. It's it's possible that they find ways to move more money out. Yeah, well, they still obviously do have needs. Um, we can talk about Blackwell, but their second line continues to be an issue. Their, their fourth line has a lot of question marks. Maybe some of those question marks will be filled internally, which we can talk about. But I don't know if we should we should t- start and talk about the goaltending. We should start with Giordano. Let's start with Giordano just because he is such a... Well, a, yeah, go ahead. Let, let, let's like let's couch it like this. Let's, per, let's talk as if this is what they're doing and this is their deadline. Because okay. that's sort of what it looks like right now. If we end up being wrong on that and we get superseded or outdated by events and trades that happen you know, Sunday night or Monday, like so be it. But I, I, it kind of looks like they're done. I haven't gotten confirmation from anyone from the Leafs on that, but it looks like they're done based on, on what, what they've, what I can see with the roster and everything. So let's, let's like consider this their deadline and talk about it that way. Okay. So then I think we have to start with the goaltending because if this is it, they're basically yeah. saying what we thought at, at some point in the past few weeks, that it was going to be eventually Jack Campbell or bust. Jaron Dreger reported that the Leafs basically turned down a deal that would have brought them back. Marc-Andre Fleury, 
uh, Brandon Hagel. They would have had to give up. I think he said multiple first round picks. Matthew well, that's Nyes. what Tampa gave up. That's what that's what Tampa gave up just for Hagel, right? So right. And, so, and and the the other thing in in Drager's report was that Morazic went to Chicago, which is which is a big one. Yes. So like, that's I get it. I I'm not. I don't think I'd do that trade either. But leaving the goaltending up to Campbell, given the way things have been going for months, I I I get it. Like there's not there's only you can only play with the cards that you're dealt, and there's not that many great cards out there. But I would be uneasy with the situation if I was in that front office just because he hasn't looked right for months. He's got this rib injury right now that he's kind of trying to come back from. Mentally, I don't know where he's at. And obviously, who knows with Mrazic? Who knows with your guy, Harry Sateri? Eric Schalgren? Like, I, I just don't... Well, that we didn't scares mention me. Sateri yet, did we? Did you mention him off the we top? We did not. I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> well, so, the, so there was a whole bunch of activity at, at 2 o'clock with the waiver wire... Uh, with Mrazic goes on, uh, Clifford's on waivers as well. He's going to go down, and that frees them up some space. But another Leafs player, quote-unquote Leafs player, on waivers is Harry Sateri, <laughs> who is not a not a household name. Uh, you know, he played briefly for Florida a couple of years ago. He played in the AHL. He played a couple seasons in the AHL. Uh, but he's mostly been a KHL goaltender, and his numbers, and he's 32 years old, so he's he's been around the block and back. Um, but you know, for that to be, I think basically what this means, Jonas, is they're they're just adding him to the mix. They basically have like four goaltenders that are going to compete for the net here over the. In know, other the words, last... it's Campbell. It's Campbell. It has to be well, Campbell. It, yeah. Unless you think, yeah. unless you want to, like, with a straight face, tell me that you think Harry Sateri or Eric Shalgren or or Peter well, Morazic is leading them to a Stanley Cup. I guess crazier th- these past couple years, you can't rule anything out. It just doesn't seem particularly likely that it won't be might roll their People might roll their eyes at at this, including yourself. But like Sateri has, like, his numbers are really good. Like, I, I wonder if they looked at this and just thought, like, let's see what this guy can do. The only thing is that he's played quite a bit in North America. Like, he's played one, two, three, four, five AHL seasons, and his numbers were not that impressive. And he played nine games for the Panthers in 2017-18 and had a 9-11 save percentage, which is fine. But I wonder if they give this guy a shot and give him six starts and see what he does. In the bigger picture, t- though, James... It it, it kind of has to be Campbell, doesn't it? Like you. Well, you, I you, think that they're betting on Campbell. Yeah, and it, that's you know, scary, this is, man. That's a, scary. I don't know what you can way, do, right? It, it, in a way, it must be good news that Campbell's health is is to the point that they can bet on him. I guess is the there's the glass half full interpretation of what happened. Sure. Well, sure. and I think the thing too, Jonas, is they looked at the goalie market and who they could get, and I said this to you after. After we saw the all the waiver moves, it's like maybe they looked at like Veg Melka and like Anton Forsberg and Halak and these other goalies. And they're like, I don't know, this Sateri guy, like he costs us nothing. We don't have to give him an asset for him. His contract is league minimum, 750K. You know, if they go into if if they go into uh the next game against who are they playing on Wednesday? It escapes me. Who Jersey. When they go into that game against New Jersey on Wednesday and their two goalies are Sateri and and Shalgren, both of them are making league minimum. They're spending as little as possible in goal as they can right now. And maybe they just give those guys a couple more starts and see where they're at until Campbell comes back. But but what I'm saying, James, is like you need to look 
and they need to look bigger picture. They have to be like one of like Florida, Tampa, Boston, yeah, whoever, like want Carolina. Like, that's was the, the thing? option I, to I, do. I, 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 a hundred percent understand what you're saying. Like th- you can only work within the reality that you're in. This just goes back to their decisions last off season. And again, like, there weren't perfect decisions last offseason, but rolling the dice on on Mrazek and Campbell was risky. And this is the risk. It's blown up and it could blow up their season. Like, well, you know what, Jonas? Scary for them. You know, the, you know what? They probably they should have addressed this when it was clear that it wasn't going to work. Like they had some time. I just don't know what they do. I mean, I, maybe Reimer was the play. Well, if there, if those rumors were to be true that they could have traded Peter Mrazek, not doing so now obviously doesn't look yeah. great. Well, remember when that was reported and everyone was like, they can't? Like, he he looks brutal. He's been hurt. I, I wonder what the trade would have looked like that they could have traded him. Because right now, they're, I mean, he's he's going to clear waivers. Their options are going to be, you either trade him with a really good asset to get rid of him, or you buy him out. Those are going to be their two options in the offseason. Yes, which are not good options. It's a disaster, like, the, the way that that's worked out. It is. Like, it can change, like... Who knows? Like, this has been such a crazy year. I mean, Eric Schalgren started three games in a row and got a shutout in his first start. Anything could happen. He could end up back with the Leafs. Well, he could play well. Who knows? Part of that, too, to me, Jonas, is proof that this team isn't actually that bad defensively. Like, at best, or at, I'm sorry, at worst, they're league average defensively. Like, they're not a tire, they're not a tire fire defensively. Well, like, some of the the goals that were going in against Mrazic were not even anything, they were nothing. You can put a rookie in from the SHL and he can look so much better than than Mrazek. I mean, it, it says something. Yeah. I mean, like if you were compiling the worst goals that have been scored on Leaf goalies in the last 10 years, he probably has three of them. Well, 10 years, that would rule Toskala out. So then he probably could climb the list. Of, there'd be there'd be some, There's some Bernier the, ones in there. The monster would be, yep. be in there maybe. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I just I just think we have to. It, it just is such a big thing um, that they're going to be leaning on Campbell when, when there's just so much uncertainty around him. Like, I, if I'm them, James, like, I wrote this in my now RIP Monday Morning Leaf Report, rest in peace, um, that maybe Don't they're worry, hoping- every, Everyone will still read it, Jonas, even though it was it was outdated within like eight minutes of eight it minutes. going on the site. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of think you have to hope it's like a bit of a mental reset for him. He gets a couple weeks off, three weeks off, whatever it is, four weeks. And maybe he can kind of like depressurize. It's just now like the pressure is, is literally now all on him. But let's talk Giordano. Um, I like the fit. I, I think he can fit in a lot of different ways. I wrote, uh, and, and if you want to go read this, you can. I just think he he basically ensures them completely against Muzzin. Just the uncertainty with Jake Muzzin, when he comes back, what he comes back looking like. Well, now he pushes Muzzin down, down the lineup, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, like, now it, it matters, but it's not, like, so consequential that it could break their defense, which it was before. Well, let, let me play devil's advocate with you on, like, this sure. is related to the goaltending. Like, they only had yes. three, maybe four million to spend. So, if they wanted Giordano, they weren't going to be able to go get a goalie, basically. Yeah. And I, and I, well, and, and so you could have, I guess you could have gotten like a, a sideways goalie if you wanted, right? Although I guess if you can't trade Mrazek, maybe you can't. Like that Chicago trade is how you could trade Mrazek. Like you got to give up Matthew Nyes to get rid of him. Like it's, it's going to be a really painful trade to make. 
You know, so, the other teams look at it and they're like, we got these guys over a barrel. Let's ask for whatever we want. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're signing Harry to Terry, your guy. Um, I'm going to have so many good <laughs> puns with that guy when yeah. he plays. What about like Harry and the Hendersons? You ever see that movie? Uh, I don't. Actually, yes. That was really good. That was the animated one. That was excellent. No, Harry and the Hendersons was like the, the guy in a Sasquatch suit running around. Oh, I'm thinking, sorry, I'm thinking it's, uh, yeah, I don't even know why I thought it was, it. I'm thinking the Mitchells versus the Machines, which just oh, came yeah, out. I heard, yeah, I heard that's good. It's really yeah. good. Um, no, Harry, Harry and the Hendersons is like a early 90s cheesy family comedy where they had a, some like seven foot two guy in a Sasquatch suit running around. He was Harry and the yeah. Hendersons was the, was the family. Okay. So... I'm going to have to Photoshop Harry Sateri's face on, or maybe one of our listeners can do it because my Photoshop skills suck. You're going to like Pho- er, completely alienate a good chunk of the, your audience because no one's going to know what that is. It was a big me. movie, Jonas. It was, I, th- I believe it was up for an Academy Award, I believe. All right. Let's get back on track. Giordano. I think we're, <laughs> we're 1987, 1987 film. Look, it gets 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. John Lithgow was the dad. I like John Lithgow. Um, So to your point, James, Giordano does help you defensively. Like one of the issues that they've obviously had in the last couple months is around their net. He helps with that. He can play against top lines. He'll kill penalties. If they're trying to defend a lead late in a game in a playoff series, he's out there. Like he's, I, I was thinking about it. Now they can have when they're healthy, Riley on the ice, Muzzin on the ice, Giordano on the ice at all times. That's that's comfort that they didn't have on D before, right? I mean, the, the big question is, I, I got a text from uh, a coach with another team, and he said, you know, Giordano is not the same Giordano. You know, he's he said basically he's slower than he used to be is the thing. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you're not getting, I mean, Giordano Brody was an elite top pair for a lot of years for Calgary. They played really well. They would play huge minutes. You know, I think using them as the second pair is going to be, I mean, everyone's assuming that that's what's going to happen. I think that that's going to be fine. But it'll be interesting to see, Giordano's what, 38 years old? 37? 38. 38. Like, I mean, he's one of the oldest players in the whole NHL. And the Leafs have run into trouble with that in the past with, with Joe Thornton and Nick Foligno. You know, they're going to, yeah, well, Felino is even that old. You know, they're going to, they're, they're betting on, I, I think, I think it's going to be fine. Like you look at, at what Giordano did with Seattle and it was, he looks like a, still like a second pairing defenseman, but you know, I think that if they treat him as like a number four D, they're going to be okay. Uh, but you know, people shouldn't expect him to come in as kind of like a, the star that he has been earlier in his career. No, he's not like he won the Norris trophy in 2019. He's not that. And like, you look at that year, it's really a complete outlier in terms of the offense. Uh, but they like that's not what they're getting him for. I, I think the question of who you play him with is is sort of interesting. I went through it a bit uh, in my mind and in my story. I, I well, mean, because, because sorry to interrupt, because uh, Brody's been so good with Hall, right? So, but I don't, I don't even know if Hall's in the lineup. I haven't even thought of that, actually. Brody's been so good with Hall. Like, that's been a really good second pair. So, if you're breaking that up, and moving things around. And the other thing too is when Muzzin's back, if you've got Giordano playing with Brody, uh, how where does Sandine play? Is he in the lineup or, or is it is it Hall that's out of the lineup or you know I don't it, think it's Hall. I hadn't even thought of that. Like that's that's another layer I hadn't considered. I, I was thinking more do you go back to Riley Brody and play Giordano with Hall and use those two as your shutdown combo 
Well, I mean, Giordano can't play the right side. Muzzin can't play the right side. Riley can't play the right side. Right. Um, so you got a whole bunch of guys that are, you know, need to be on the left. I don't, it's going to be interesting yeah, how, so they, you, you how, really they, can't, how they work it out. You can't really play. I think the Brody Hall thing kind of dies, maybe. Well, Muzzin's not back for, what do you think, another week or two, probably? I mean, who knows? Yeah, that that could be it. I'm just trying to like piece it together on the fly. I mean, I yeah, I don't really see how that works. Like, I think I think you could do you could do Riley with Labushkin. You could do mm-hmm. Brody with Giordano, and then mm-hmm. your third pair can be Muzzin with Sandiner Hall or Sandiner Hall. Yeah, yeah, that's what they've got. That's an option. So it's interesting. I mean, like one of the D who's an NHL defenseman is going to sit, but I, you know, they're protected in case of injury and Lilgren's going to be in the minors, but because the they're going to yeah. need, they're going to need the cap space. So Lilgren's going to have to go down. And I think that's fine. I, I, I think it's an interesting question that we can talk about with Sandine or Labushkin. Um, but I, I think we should spend a little bit more time on Giordano. Um, I just think you looked at it, James, at a certain point, like you go back like a month or two and it was all like the, which right shooting defenseman could they get? And then like the Muzzin stuff with the concussions happens and like, who knows when he's coming back and like, who knows what he's going to look like. And it's like, they kind of need to open this up because I remember talking to you on the podcast and we were like, well, they don't like left shots. Like they don't, they, they have too many left shots, but it kind of made sense eventually that, they would pivot just because you looked at the guys who were out there to play the right and you consider like the uncertainty with Muzzin and it, it would have been like Braun or something, right? Like, yes. Right. And I would rather have Giordano than Braun. Mm-hmm. But you know, to play devil's advocate again, I Giordano like takes up, takes up all of your cap space where Braun doesn't. Right. So I like the Giordano move. I think it, I think it makes sense. I think they, 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 if, if this is, a, if they're done, if they had one big bullet using it on, on D makes sense. Well, so let's talk about that because I get it. I think you're right. I a hundred percent agree. And I, and we talked about the goaltending, how difficult that is. And yet they've really got like something wrong on the Tavares Nealander combination like something is not working now I, I think what you could say to that was those guys just need to be play better like you at, at some point you just need those guys to be the stars that they are um and then you look lower in the lineup and obviously blackwell will help somewhere but i just look at the rest of their lineup and it just still feels a little like it's missing something what do well, you what do you think we we talked about this thing on the podcast last week like the way they're constructed it's it's Nylander has to work with Tavares. Like there's, there's no choice. There's nowhere, yeah. there's nowhere else to put him. It, it was really eye-opening to me the two games that Matthews missed. How much better Tavares looked. Like he 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 just looked. And I you know I, I I've been thinking it was a Tavares issue that you know oh he slowed down and you know that's why that line isn't working and that's why they're they're getting beat up defensively even when they're playing against third lines and then i watched him play with with martyr and and bunting and it's like well, he looks pretty good so is he, it Nylander? He looked, i think it's i think it's both i think he looked fine i, I think it's a little well, I think it's probably pretty easy to play on that line, right? Like, well, you've got Bunting like and Marner are maybe so the, well, maybe the best right winger in the league right now. If I'm missing yeah. someone, I'm I apologize. No, I think you're. I think you're probably. And right. then you've got like Bunting, who's just like a like a force of a, ball, a wrecking ball, 
who's playing really well. And then you compare that to the way Nealander is playing right now and whoever has been on the other wing. Maybe they're just not a good fit for each other. Like maybe they're just, it's just weird because they felt like a good fit earlier this year and obviously last year. Um, But Nealander, like I, I'm all for um, praising him when he plays really well. He's not played well for a couple months. Like he just doesn't look as engaged. He doesn't look as as confident. And it's funny. You think of Neander as like this really confident guy, but you can kind of see that this stretch has affected him. He's not as aggressive shooting the puck. He's passing. He's not like one thing I always notice with him is, is when he's going, he always really digs in to get the puck back and he steals pucks and he's like a really good takeaway kind of artist that hasn't been there. He just hasn't been as good. And maybe with Tavares at this point in his career, if Neilander is not a plus Neilander or a Neilander or B plus Neilander, maybe it just doesn't work. I don't know. I, part of me wonders if Neilander is like frustrated that the, you know, the line hasn't been working, hasn't been generating. Sure. Like they're just, you know, and that's, you know, what do they, they have something like 10 points at five on five in the last 30 games. Like they just have not, they haven't even played as like a very good third line. No, really. And that's with not get, like we talked about before, not getting number one lines, getting easier zone starts. Like, yeah. And, and James, the other thing like that we can kind of come around to Blackwell on is you look at like their fourth line and it's like, who is like, who absolutely should be playing on their fourth line when, when like, we haven't even talked about Andre Kasha, but let's say they don't have Kasha, like, and so Kerfoot maybe has to play higher in the lineup. We'll see. It's a pretty big loss if they don't have him. It's a very big loss because like, I don't know that, that I don't know those goals he's been chipping in lately. Look at the, some of the, like some of those, he's like stripping the puck off the other team and making a nifty little play in the neutral zone. And then it's a goal. Like he just, and and when someone's hurt, you can play them on the top power play unit, and yep. you know they, they they hopefully Kasha's all right. Yeah, that was and that's a really scary play. Um, but it's like you go through their their fourth liners right now, and it's like Kyle Clifford, fringy NHLer at this point, Wayne Simmons, fringy NHLer at this point, Jason Spezza's getting to that point where it's like maybe shouldn't be well, playing every night and then Nick Robertson everybody's I- healthy yeah everybody's healthy the fourth line is uh Kerfoot Spezza Blackwell I guess yeah something like that you know there's been some I've seen some suggestions since the trade happened that uh Blackwell could play higher in the lineup you know he's done that in the past you know in, in Seattle and with the Rangers a little bit too I mean he's I don't I got to say, I don't know him that well. I noticed again, I was watching him against uh, when they played Seattle and he he stood out like he's fast. Uh, he's good defensively. Um, the question is, does he have the offensive ability to play higher in the lineup or not? And that's a, that's a real question. And maybe, I mean, maybe they just have to fall back on Kerfoot being there or Kasha when he's healthy or, and, or maybe they're just basically saying like, you guys are like, two of our highest paid players. Tavares is one of the 10 highest paid players in the league. Like you just have to play better. I don't know. Like I, the problem is like, I I don't envy GMs, like especially in this particular situation with what's been going on for the Leafs. There's only so many holes you can plug. Like there's a salary cap, like they can't fix everything. And like, it's, it's hard when over the last few weeks, it's like everything is like, it's like, you know, when you're in, you see in the movie, James, 
uh, like when the, what is it called? The water starts rushing up from the, what are those called? Uh, you know what I'm talking about now? No, I have no idea what the, you're talking about. The things that the hold water the water. starts rushing up? Yeah, or like, basically what I'm trying to say like is. when you flush the toilet? No, like in the street, like, you know, in the movies when it's like the the manhole cover like goes blows into the air do you know what i'm talking about are the ninja turtles down there (laughs) yeah anyway what i'm trying to say is like they've had in the last few weeks like their goaltending situation become a problem their defense is a problem their fourth line is a problem this analogy is not working for you i've abandoned it their fourth line harry and the hendersons was more accessible let me finish (laughs) their their second line is a problem it's like all these different things are popping up there's you can't fix it all and so like you kind of got to pick and choose and maybe they're just saying like listen like those guys just have to play better and if they don't play better it doesn't matter who's on that line like well the it's tough when you've got you're up against the capital year and now you've got 2.675 million in dead cap space yeah which is in in a goalie that you don't want to play because you know they by demoting Mrazek on Monday they get one point one two five of his three point eight back, but they don't get back the two point six seven five, which you know it's two point seven million dollars. I mean that could solve if you could add a two point seven million million dollar winger, that would be great. That would be helpful. Yes. What an interesting finish to the season this is going to be. Like, you know, it, it, the, the year felt kind of like a bit boring at times, I think. Yeah, just I remember like you said an, no one was going to care and it wasn't going to be interesting. And Yeah, we all we needed was just like some some of the little Leafs cursed dust or whatever you want to call it. Like, I never bought into the talk that the Leafs were cursed until the last couple of years. And it's like, holy shit, like this just, it just keeps happening again and again and again. And maybe yeah. you and I are destined. Maybe we're in like, maybe that we're in like a simulation and you and I are just destined to do this until we're going to be like old men at the old folks home, like talking about the Leafs losing in the first round with our teeth falling out. Is that like the end of lost? (laughs) I I didn't see the end of lost. Uh, I made it about three episodes into lost. I was like, no, this uh, is not for me. Stick with it. It has some Uh, good points. But anyway, (laughs) before we wrap, we should spend like two minutes talking about Travis Dermott in that trade. Um, What are your thoughts? I think they did well to get a third round pick because that wasn't, as as far as I know, that wasn't on offer earlier in the season. So, you know, he's, Dermot's been on the trade block basically almost all year, at least since November was when I first heard about it because another team messaged me and said the Leafs are offering Dermot around. It didn't sound like they wanted a whole lot back for him. So getting a third round pick that they could then use in the Giordano trade, it helps, you know, it helps like offset the blow. Um, you, you know, you need to keep in mind that with if Muzzin's healthy and you got Giordano, you know, I saw some people online saying, why would you just, why would you give Dermot away for a pick? I mean, he's their ninth NHL defenseman. Yeah, you don't so need him. He, he's not going to play once you have Giordano and once Muzzin's healthy. Like, it's just, it's, he's not going to play. And, you know, I really like Travis Dermot as a person. He's yeah. one of my favorite guys to cover the last, I mean, he's been, it feels like he's been around forever now. Yeah. Um, just like a really great personality. I think he really always worked hard and gave his all and and really put a lot into it. And, you know, he was kind of emotional after the Nashville game saying, you know, it was his last game. Nice gesture by Sheldon Keefe to put him into that game is an important game for the Leafs and they ended up losing. And, um, but it, you know, they knew he was going to be gone and, you know, in a place like Vancouver, you know, I was just talking to, to Tom Drance who covers the, uh, the Canucks. And, you know, I think there's a hole for, for Dermot potentially to get some minutes here the rest of the way. 
in their top four um, and and show what he can do. And that's what I think. I think he needed kind of a reset, play for a different coach. Bruce Boudreaux is probably the perfect kind of coach for a player like like Dermot, who you know at times it's almost like the best things about Travis Dermott is that he's so aggressive in the way that he can like shut down attacks coming into the defensive zone. But it's also sometimes the thing that, that works against him and why I think ultimately Sheldon Keefe didn't trust him to play him ahead of some of the other defensemen the Leafs had. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see that, you know, maybe you partner him with, with, with uh, an experienced partner and, and play him in the top four and see what you've got in Dermott and see if he can potentially break through. Play him with Luke Shen. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, and you know leaf, what? Former Leaf pair. Yeah. And you know what, James? Like, I, I think sometimes when we talk about these guys, it, get ca- it gets like cast in a light that they're not good players. Like, he's a good player. Like, he's become like a solid NHL defenseman. They just kind of needed with the cap situation for him to be more than that. And ultimately, like, so far, he, he wasn't able to get to that point. And there's like, that happens, right? Like, I don't think it's any more complicated than Sheldon Keefe just liked some of the other players better than Travis Dermott. Like, it doesn't mean that he can't play in the NHL. I think he's going to play a long time in the NHL. The The question with Dermott is, is he a six, a five, or a four, really? Like, he's an NHL defenseman. Just how right high now, in the lineup. he's a six. It depends on the team, too, right? I mean, it's, of a, big course it going, does. it's yes. a big difference going from the fifth or sixth best team in the league to the, I mean, where do, where do we think Vancouver is? Bottom 10? Yep. So it's a good trade for Vancouver. You know, I think it's a fine trade for Vancouver, you know, a third round pick. I mean, they got the third round pick for trading Hamannick. I mean, who is basically nothing to them. So, you know, good for that front office for investing in this, in, in, in Dermot and seeing what he can do. And, you know, we wish him, we wish him well. Hopefully he, he plays another 10 years and, and, and gets more opportunity. Yeah. He was always good to talk to and good personality. Spicoli. That's another 80s movie for you. Just like a sunny, like he's one of the guys on the team you would want to have a beer with. And he's just like always seemed like he was, he was high on life. Unlike Spicoli. Spicoli was high on, well, he was high on other things. That's what I'm, that's that's the joke. (laughs) Very nice. All right. uh, We're going to be back after the trade deadline on Monday. Once we have everything down. Yeah. I want to say just one more thing. You're interrupting a lot today. It's not like you. Well, I got, you're excited. Sorry. Oh, I got some things to say. The only thing I will say is that we're we're recording this podcast as if they're done. They might not be done. Like they still could potentially do other things. The only thing is is that they're going to have to trade money out to do anything else. So, you know, they could if they wanted to do something big, they would have to trade say a Kerfoot. If they wanted to do something small, they would have to trade What about like Wayne Simmons, you know? What what about, you know, Wayne Simmons has a has a no trade clause. Um, they would have to finesse that, but you know, I can't. Do you see anyone else on the roster that they could trade? I guess they could potentially trade Hall if they Kerfoot? wanted to. Did you say Kerfoot? Yeah, I said Kerfoot off the. Yeah, I think he's probably. I think the Leafs are probably done, but you know the deadline's not till three o'clock on Monday, so you know we'll we'll see. I haven't had anyone from the Leafs tell me that they're done yet, so maybe they have more. I, you know, the the Winnipeg thing's interesting. Maybe they'll continue to look at that a little bit. Cop, my guy, bring him in. Yeah. Well, I, so I can say this for sure. The Leafs liked him and and looked at it. They should. And, and I haven't seen that anywhere, reported anywhere else. So there's a nugget for our subscribers. Nice. Cop out. Bring the cop. Huh? <laughs> huh? You, you, you're, that's your job. Anyway. Well, he's UFA, right? I mean, they can look at signing him in the offseason. I'm sure he's going to get a lot of money. Sure. So if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash Leaf Report. It's just $1 a month now for six months. 
what a deal good deal we will be back thank you for listening thank you for everything james and to everyone out there my brain is is mushy <laughs> hey we're almost there we got uh got about 20 hours to go talk on monday good night